Thank you all very much for all that you did uh, to load the container, to send us, to send the container. I'll just tell you a few things uh, as we go. Really, uh, it, it was a, it was a, you always have to fight. You know, you can, you can pay your price, you can pay your money, you can put your things on there, but you're going to have to fight for what God has promised you and for what God has given you. And we know that the word is true, that as we sow seed into this bucket, as it goes by in our offering, I'm telling you, you go home, there's going to be a harvest, but you're going to have to participate in that, and you're going to have to spiritually continue to fight, continue to speak, continue to, to stand on the word of God, don't give up and don't give in. Because even though we go and we know the container's on its way, you know, it was supposed to be there January 11th. And we were on our way in January, whatever that was, you know, 30th, 29th, we were on our way. And we had to continue to fight until that thing finally made it uh, to the Sudan. Then when it made it to the Sudan, we had to fight to get it to Ye. Then when it got to Ye, we had to fight to get it to the dreamland. You never have to, you'll never be able to stop, give, you just stop praying, stop, stop fighting spiritually for the things that God has given you. Because his harvest will come. Every time we drove to the dreamland for the first couple days, we would make the turn into the dreamland, and it's a real bushy kind of area. So there's grass all over the place, and you make a little turn into the dreamland, and there's about 10 or 15 kids sitting on the corner, uh, just sitting there. And they're not in school right now. It's summertime for them. They got out of school the second week in December. And so they've been out for about a month and a half, and they're getting ready to go back here next week. And uh, Pastor Stanley said when we turned the corner, he kind of, just like we would probably say, shaking our head, he said, yeah, every time I come, they're sitting there waiting for the container. And I said, oh, you know, and so we drove in and we would see them and we would talk to them and take pictures and just do some stuff and kind of hang around. But I'll tell you, the day that the container came, you know, uh, we got to be in the, in the truck ahead of the container. And the day that we get to make the turn and it really is the container, now there's just not 10 or 12 of them sitting on the corner looking. Now they're all over the place. Brad asked when we left the first couple times, he asked me, did it look like 100 kids? And I said, no, it looked like about 15 kids. Well, it's hot. It's really hot. And I didn't think it could get hotter than it did in March, but it's hotter. I didn't think it could get drier than it was in March. It's drier. Uh, it is is brutal. And so in that moment, they are, they are all hiding. When you look at the pictures, they're all to the edge of the shadows. <laughs> Wherever the shadows go, that's where they are. They don't go out into the sun. They just walk like this <laughs> around the shadow because they don't want to. It's really hot. But when the, when the container made the turn and started to come into dreamland, they were running down the road. They were jumping up and down. They were singing and clapping and uh, all the way in. And they didn't leave, you know, for two days as we were unloading the container, they stood there and they all gathered around and in the shade, many of them, but some of them just jumped up in the container too. Some of your kids are getting older and they're, they're, they're just absolutely wonderful. They're helpers. They want to do all the things that Pastor Stanley asked them to do. They're in the container bringing things down. They're helping carrying stuff. They're helping with the little ones who need help. One little guy, the little guy that had the giraffe there, he's always covered in dirt He's always muddy. That was as clean as you're going to see that kid. Uh, that's Job, and uh, he, he's always covered in mud. And uh, he was totally covered one day, and Pastor Stanley said, Job, you need to go get cleaned off, and you need to go wash yourself up. You're, you're really, I mean, mud, just mud from, the, from all the way up. And he's Rachel's little guy. That's the one my daughter sponsors. And Rachel is dapper. She is all about, you know, everything's got to be perfect and clean and uh, Job, when he, Job had a sport coat in his first picture, so she picked him because he wore a sport coat. She thought that was fantastic. And then when I got there and I found out that this kid was pig pen and he played in the mud all the time, 
And he's always got a rip in his shirt, and he's always sitting there just itching something, and he's just as cute as can be. But I said, Rachel, this kid's just a mess all the time. So uh, he, said he wanted to send him away uh, to go get cleaned up. And, and Job kind of wandered off to the other kids like this, like he didn't want to pay attention to what Pastor Stanley was saying. And, and Pastor Stanley told him a couple more times, and he kind of was just pretending like he was invisible. You know how kids can be? They just, I'm not even here. And then he got an older kid to go take him. And I asked Pastor Stanley later, I said, what was, was Job not listening to you, you know, when you were asking him to do that? And he said, no, he was afraid he was going to miss something. That something was going to come off the container and he would miss and he wouldn't get to see it. So uh, I just want to I just, just thank you so much because just the opportunity to be there was great. You would all love to go. I mean, there wouldn't be anything there that would bother you. You would enjoy it. Um, the hardest thing is having to drive away, you know, once you get there. And uh, y- y- they were all doing their thing. And, and by the time we finished getting everything off the container and the tractor and the, the, the bulldozer and the only thing left on the container is the last piece of wood that Shane put 10,000 nails in that nobody in Africa can figure out how to get off the ground <laughs> was the last piece of wood that he put to block everything in and it was the one piece of wood that nobody could get off the container so everything else was off but that but you know when it, when it was all said and done and everything was, was finished you know the kids were done playing and they were all kind of in their places and, and looking through all their toys and all the stuff that you guys brought and gave them um, you know, you, you have to just, to just get in the car and go. You know, because if you, you just, it's just better if they all leave you alone and then you can just take in your last couple minutes and then just jump in the truck and drive away. Because like Lori said, if, if you don't, you will never leave. You're really, really, truly, I would encourage you, you're really, truly making a difference. You may ask sometimes when it's hard to write that $50 check each month, you know, like, what is this really doing? It, it is truly making a difference. It, it is abs. These kids, I haven't seen them in 10 months, but they're, they're, com- they're changed. They're completely changed. I couldn't even, I, I, it took me two, three days to finally be with them and to, to recognize them because they, they've all grown. And little Job, even Job's four inches taller than he was before. And he's got, I told Pastor Stanley, he's got hair. He was bald. And now they've all got hair. And he said, well, they'll be shaving their hair tomorrow. And sure enough, here they came out. Half of them were bald again. They're getting ready for school. So when they go to school, they, they take all their hair off. But uh, it, it, they're just, they're so cute. I don't even know what to say or where to start, but just to tell you that, that you're really, truly making a difference. That, uh, you know, one container can really change the world. One person sponsoring one kid can really change the world. And you're, you're, you're really, truly, you're doing it. When they uh, got to open up their, their gifts, and uh, finally, that was the last thing, you know, and it was getting late on Friday, and, and we were having to leave, and, and they got the container finally off. Everybody asked, how are they going to get everything off the container? Uh, African power, <laughs> by, with their hands. You know, they don't have cranes, they don't have fork trucks, they don't have anything. I said, well, they'll probably tie it to that mango tree and just drive out from underneath it. That's what they did. <laughs> they just, they tied it to the mango tree and drove out from underneath it. You know, how are they going to get the boxes off? Well, there are going to be a bunch of African guys standing there pulling those boxes off. They weigh 300 pounds. They want a couple of them weighed 1,000 pounds. Well, it'll take six of them then. And it took six of them and they rolled them out. And uh, they did everything by hand. There wasn't really any machinery. It was one of the most amazing things uh, that, that, that you could ever witness. But when they would pop the, the boxes up and they would be full of stuff, those kids would be like locusts. 
and they'd all just run over, and they'd have their little bags, and when they brought their stuff, they would take all the clothes that they were helping Pastor Stan, because when you open them up, like they had the discs, the, the farm discs were covered in clothes. So they popped the tops off of them, and all the kids come around, and, and it just looks like locusts, and then all of a sudden they leave, and there's nothing but the discs. <laughs> all the stuff is gone. And they've got them all in their bags, and they run them in, and they store them, and then they, they stand around waiting for the next one to come down so they can help. Because they, they, they want to be a part of what's going on, and they want to they be a part of what's happening. So uh, I would encourage you, it was a lot of fun. And, and these kids were really, they were wonderful. And uh, you're doing a great job. They got to open up their presents, and it was, they were very good for about 70 kids. They did it one at a time. They say, Job, and he would come up and get his present, and then he would go outside, and he would get his picture taken, and then he would come back inside. And they did that for all 100 and finally, you know, I mean, you know, how hard is it at your house with two kids, you know, on Christmas morning? They're like, they're wanting to get in everything, you know, and these, these, and they're just, they're just, they're starting to itch, and they're all kind of doing this, and they're all looking around, and one little kid's like peeking in, and then, then putting it down, and one of them's like, and then all of a sudden, it just started kind of not getting out of control, but it was like all of a sudden, you could tell there's a bubble, you know, or this kid's got like a little thing, and they're showing each other stuff, and it's like, whoa, it's really, you just feel the anticipation. It's starting to get a little bit wild, and Finally, when the la- they, they really did, truly, they were, they, were, they were sneaking peeks and getting a few things, but they were really nice, and they waited till the last girl got her thing. And as soon as she got her thing and came outside and came, then it was just like the place exploded. And there was paper everywhere, and they were looking at stuff, and they were asking questions like, what is this? What is that? And then we were running around trying to tell them, don't eat the Play-Doh, you make things with it. And don't eat, you know, you can't eat that. No, you can't eat that. Yes, you can eat that. And they're all sitting there with, I'm telling you, with sunglasses on. And they got some of the crazy, somebody gave somebody a whole lot of jewelry because they've got these big, is that yours? She is beautiful. She's got all these pearls on and her sunglasses and her bracelets. And they're all, they're looking at your pictures and your letters that you sent. And they're, they're just looking at them, opening them up, and they're, they're reading everything that you're, you're doing. And they're just like our kids. One gets a Bible, and he goes like this. Yes! I don't know if fist pumps are international, but he knows what that means. And they're excited, and I asked Pastor Stanley. He said, yes, some of them are start, they're starting to get Bibles now. So they get their own Bible. Or they got, I guess there's cat hats and one little kid, I don't know what happened, but immediately, man, he spun that around backwards. So he's seen, he's watched the NBA or something on TV and he's got his thing on backwards and he's giving it a look like this. I thought you're a six-year-old African kid. How do you know what it's like to be from Chicago or wherever? I mean, this kid had it all going on. They got little visors on. The girls are all, they're all, they smell everything. So everything that you sent, they'll, 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 they smell it. They want to know, even like bubbles. We know what bubbles are. I tried to, don't drink that. It's not, don't do that. It's, it's bad. But they'll open everything up and they smell it. And then they put the cap on it and they put it back away. And they got all their stuff out and they'd put it all back away. And then they'd, some of them would pick it up and they'd run over to a corner where they'd be all by themselves and they'd get all their stuff out. And they'd look at it again and then they'd put it all back in their box. And then they got their big blue boxes that we gave each one of them. They got a big blue box to keep like a little locker under their bed for all their stuff. And they all came up and got those and they all went and they put their boxes in those. The girls were playing with their Barbies and they were just playing and they were doing the hair and they were just, they were having a blast. All of them eating as much candy as they could possibly shove in their mouth. 
So we'll have to work on a dental visit soon because <laughs> there was a lot of candy going in, both hands, you know, they're unwrapping. <laughs> At one point, Pastor Stanley was, he had a sucker because he'd already taken the sucker from somebody and he was playing with one of those balls that you bounce and the lights go off. And he was just amazed, you know, he was playing with that and the kids were loving it and it was all, you know, it was just, it was, it was fun. It was a party and they got to just enjoy their day and enjoy their time and, uh, you know, they were all very thankful for, for everything that they had. Some of the littlest ones got some of the biggest boxes, and so they had to carry them on their heads as they walked around. So it was, uh, it was really sweet. It, it was a great time. We'll show you some pictures and stuff uh, on Sunday. We'll have a video for you of some of the things that happened, and then Corey will put some stuff together for the sponsors and different things so we, you can see maybe the whole, the whole celebration you can have on your, on your own as a sponsor or whatever. So you can kind of take time. And we tried to get as many like individual shots of each, each kid as we could, but they were moving fast. <laughs> They're doing dances like this. <laughs> and they were, they were just really cute. But I would, enc- you know, I would just encourage you, if, 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 you, if, if, if you, you, you know somebody, whose heart's been touched, you know, by the things that we've been doing there, you know, whether it was the container, the putt-putt, whatever it was, and, you know, share with them about the opportunity they have to sponsor these kids. Because the only thing that keeps Pastor Stanley from really taking this from where it is right now at at 100 children to 150 children is, is merely sponsorship. He has 11 kids already picked out in Juba that he's already interviewed, he's already taken care of, he's already accepted, but they won't come to the dreamland until we have those sponsors for those kids. <clears throat> he wants to bring them in in a little bigger group of 25 or 50 as he brings them in, but uh, it, it really truly is, is an issue of sponsorship. So if you know people, you know, when you get a CD that says, or a DVD that says, you know, this was the Christmas party that they had, show it to your friends. Because I am telling you, I've, been, I've, I've sat with them and played with them and had a blast with them. It, you really are making a difference in their lives. I've seen the difference in just 10 months. You know, from where they were when I was there to where they are now. And uh, there's nothing like changing the life of some kid. They know who you are. They remember you. And really, truly, they, they want to do their best. And become all that God wants them to be. And, and we get to be a part of it. I know you don't get to see them maybe or touch them or hug them. But, but you are every month as you pray for them. And it, it is you just, you just continue to stand for them in faith. Keep speaking good words over them. Because you really are making a difference. And not only making a difference there. I would encourage you tonight as we talk just a minute here. Just about making a difference in the world where you live today. It's easy to make a difference when you're, you're, you're packing your shoebox and it's really exciting and you're sending it to your orphan. But how, 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 how exciting is it to, to make a difference in your neighborhood? <laughs> you know, uh, to maybe give to somebody in your neighborhood like you would give to your orphan in the Sudan. To pour your life out to somebody that, that, that you know, you may not actually see yourself hanging with but to go hang with them and pour out your life and pour out Jesus to them just like you would if you had an opportunity to go and sit with your your kid. You know, what is your mango tree? Because there they all sit under the mango tree. 
They all go out and sit under the mango tree. Pastor Stanley does. We do. The kids come around. You talk to them, and you, you, know, you have a good time. You share with them stuff. You ask them what they, what they want to be when they grow up. You can ask them questions like, what's God done in your life? And they all talk about they get to pray, and they get to praise and worship, and they get to sing and dance, and they get to worship Jesus, and they get to do all these things. You know, do we get to have that opportunity here where we sit down with somebody and share that same kind of thing? You know, on the plane ride over, because today, really, I just I don't have much to share, but it's just the word that says bringing in the harvest. It'll go a little bit with what I share on Sunday morning uh, as we begin to talk about this just a little bit over this week and maybe a little bit next week. But on the way over there, I was uh, on, on the way from Detroit to uh, Amsterdam. No, it was from Amsterdam to Entebbe into Africa. Uh, I was sitting there, and I didn't have anybody around me. I was all by myself, and so I was just kind of reading and doing different things. And I was listening to this girl next to me across the aisle, and, and, and a guy. She was against the window. She was a young girl. She was like 25 or 6 years old, and she was on her way to Africa to Kampala to spend some time. She's part of a church in Florida, and uh, she was going to Africa, really, truly, just, just to, God called her to Africa, and so she was going by herself, like 26 or 7 years old to do this but i listened to what she was saying to this over an eight and a half hour flight and you know sometimes you sit next to people and you're thinking oh what am i sitting next to well this girl poured out her life into this guy she poured out jesus she told him about jesus she told him what she was doing and and i think many times for us that 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 shocks us and we're like oh i don't know if i could do that but let me just tell you as she began to tell him things it began to unlock stuff on the inside of him that he had put away you never know where the harvest is. For us, where we, where we are right now and we're talking about the Sudan, you know, that's a harvest field for us. We're reaping a harvest there. We're sowing seed there. All of those things are happening. We're seeing lives changed. But the person sitting next to you tonight or the person sitting next to you on the bus, the person sitting next to you on the plane, the person sitting next to you in the cubicle at work, that's a harvest field. And you don't know what they have locked away. You don't know what they maybe have put away. And you're called by God. You're appointed by God. You're anointed by God. So you're prepared by God to be, to be a minister of the gospel everywhere that you go. And I just sat there and listened to this girl. And I wanted to, you know, you know how many times somebody else is doing something good, you want to get in on their work. <laughs> so I was trying to, like, sneak in, you know, and, and say a little something. But every time I would turn around, it wasn't an opportunity. I mean, it just wasn't an opportunity. It, she, he was reading the stuff she was giving him. I mean, she, she was showing him scriptures and showing him stuff. And then I listened to what he was saying. Yeah, I used to, man, I used to do that. Yeah, he even said this. Yeah, I, I've, I've even been asking about that. I've been thinking about that lately. Everything that she said, just as she was, she was just sharing her life. Just sitting next to a stranger on a plane and just open enough in her world to just share her heart. And how good is God that he puts this guy next to her that has been thinking about that? that had that locked away on the inside, that had once done a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, I once worked with a missions group and was really involved in putting money there and seeing what they were doing for the kingdom. But I, ha- I haven't been doing that. Who has gone sit next to you in your life? I mean, if he's called you like he has... Moses, you know, in Exodus in chapter 3, he got him by the burning bush and he called him. He said, you are called to do this. In Romans eight twenty eight, we like that scripture because it says he'll take all the rough things in our life, all the tough patches in our life, and he'll turn them around for good. We like that part because we're, we're, we love God and we're called according to his what? His purpose. 
And in Matthew, at the end of that book, Jesus, he begins to speak and he shares with the disciples and that, that, that what we call the Great Commission. See, we say that he asked us to go out into all the world. Well, the commission part is actually more of a commandment than it is an asking. It's more of a telling us than it is a, would you please do this for me? It's kind of like the end all, this is what your job is on earth, go do it. And he he says to us in that particular verse, go out into the world and make disciples. Teaching them and training them and showing them all of these things. See, changing lives. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on and it says that we're to teach them or to show them or to train them to observe all the things that he has commanded us. But then he also says this at the end, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. And if you go back to Exodus in chapter three with Moses, he tells, he tells Moses, I will be with you. And when you talk about really truly being appointed, you look at Gideon, that's where I look in, in, in Judges chapter six. And he tells Gideon, I will be with you. See, he doesn't ask us to do something. He doesn't rename us. He doesn't change us. He doesn't bring us to a place. He doesn't send us out and ask us to do it on our own. He tells that girl on the plane, while you're sitting next to that gentleman, I will be with you. Will you just open your mouth? I will give you the thing. Because we think this, what would I say? What would I possibly say to this person? But I'll tell you this, he says in John that the fields are white for harvest. He doesn't say that you're going to have to know what to say. He doesn't say that you're going to have to be able to do it in your own strength. He just says, actually, in Matthew chapter 9, I think he says, go and pray for the laborers. Why? Because he needs laborers in the field. He'll be with the laborers. He'll tell you what to do. He'll, he'll show you what to say. He'll show you what, 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 you need to, what you need to be in this particular moment. He'll empower you. His grace is sufficient for you and your weakness. It's about bringing in the harvest. And as I listened for all those eight hours, I mean, I was like mesmerized by this girl. Just, just the fact that she was so bold and so courageous to be able to share her faith with this guy who's sitting next to her, just to open up her mouth. And then I saw what it did in his life. And then, of course, in the end, I cashed in and gave him my card. <laughs> said, if you want to know what we're doing in the Sudan, here's the card. You need to check this out. He was used to give to missions. <laughs> I thought, well, this is the guy to talk to. But in the end, I just, she was going to Kampala, and so I got to talking to her as we were getting ready to get off the plane just about some of the things that she was doing. I was really encouraged by the fact that she would get up and move to Kampala all by herself and, and work in this particular, particular church in this, in this ministry. And then as I was talking to him, I was telling him some of the things that we've done there and, and, and how much we've, we've, we, you know, we've, we, we love these kids, and we're sponsoring all these hundred kids and doing all these things, and we sent a container over and, and all of this stuff. And, and then uh, he, was, he was just, I think he was just mesmerized by how good God was. You, you don't know what that person that God puts in front of you, you don't know what, what he's going to, to do in their life if you'll just open up your mouth and just share. And he said, well, I don't know what to say. Well, it doesn't matter. God called you. He appointed you. He's anointed you like he did David. You may say, I'm the least of the person to do this. Well, David was the least of the people to be, to be anointed as the next king. Actually, it says Samuel saw his brother and said, oh, Lord, this must actually be the guy. Right? I mean, come on. No, nope. God said it's not him. He actually says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, God actually says, I, he says, I don't look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So there's hope for all of us. 
You've been through some stuff. You've been knocked around a little. God, God has brought you to the place where you are today. And I'm telling you this, he's going to use you. He has used some of the craziest misfits, not just in the Bible, but in the church. I mean, you know, who's a crazy misfit? You know, we all are. We all got issues. We all got problems. I can dance around with a bunch of kids from the Sudan and juggle and have fun, and that's, that's easy. But can you sit down with somebody and be able to talk to them, and they know what you've been through. They know what a mess you've been. But on the other side of that, it says they'll, they'll find out how good God has been. See, he wants to use each and every one of us. I really, truly believe that this, that this year is going to be a year of harvest. But, but, but not necessarily, although it is including finances, but not just necessarily finances in the lives of the people of the church. I believe it's going to be a great year of harvest of souls and of lives changed for the kingdom of God. Now listen, because this is important. We get excited about that. We love that idea and we love that thought. But God, who are the harvesters? Us. That's, see, that's when it gets quiet. <laughs> who are the harvesters? Us. What is the greatest thing that we can do in this earth? Harvest souls for the kingdom of heaven. That, that's what we're called to do. It said so in Matthew. Above all else, that he's called us and, ta- and given us talents and, and all the things that he's created us to do, he has brought us into this earth to make disciples, to bring people into the kingdom of God. And he said that the, the field is white for harvest, therefore go out and pray for the laborers. And I believe we're in that place that when we look out and we see the harvest field, that now we stand up as, as laborers, locking arms together and going out with our sickles and bringing in the harvest. And that may be news to you, but you may just have to get your mind around it. That's all. Just to get your mind around it. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have fun. It, does, it actually means you're going to have the most fun. How many people have gotten people say it's been the most enjoyable time? It's been a blast. And really, if you can get you out of the way, it's pretty easy. If I can just shut up and say what God says instead of what I think they need to say, if I can get out of fear of what people might think about me, if I can get into what he has, it's, it's a blast just to be able to share the gospel and the kingdom of God everywhere that you go. But you have to get your mind around that idea and that thought. Romans, you know, in chapter 12 says that we need to renew our mind to the word of God. Renew your mind to who you are. See, God always asks me, do you want to be part of the answer? Do you want to be, are you going to be part of the problem? And I said, well, I want to be part of the answer. Well, then go out and do what I said. If you don't, you're part of the problem. And who are we going to be in the church? Are we going to be part of the answer? Or are we going to be part of the problem? Well, we don't want to be part of the problem here. We are part of the answer. We're going out and we're bringing in the harvest. And here's one thing that I would encourage you and tell you. You know, what are you doing with what you've been given? Because this is important. The harvest is truly, the fields are white for harvest. That's true. And we are the harvesters. And let me tell you this. God will not do what you can do. We can't do what he will do. But he will not do what we can do. I think that's, see, we, we, we want God to bless us. But we have to give. God is able to do all things, but there's a part of that that says, I have to be the one who gives. 
Could God do it? Yes, I believe he could do all things. I guess somehow he could give through me in that whatever that particular thing is. But I know this, he won't do what I can do. But he will do what he can do. But that requires me doing what I can do. And if you'll go out and put the sickle to the harvest, he will, he will bring the field to you. He will bring those who need Jesus to you. He will bring those who need healing to you. And you may be here today and say, well, I need healing and I need Jesus. Well, then let's throw out the net. And then I'll tell you what he did, just like he did with the disciples. Then he says, come on, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He didn't say, come follow me because I want to make you like me. He didn't say, come follow me because I got something for you. He didn't say, come follow me because I'm going to make you a better fisherman in, in, in fish. Don't, don't follow me because I'll make you a better tax collector. Don't follow me because of all these things. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they said, okay, what did they do? They dropped their nets and followed him. In your profession, he, want, he wants to use you. In your neighborhood, he wants to use you. In your family, he wants to use you. And I believe really truly this year that this will be a great year of harvest. And if it's going to be a great year of harvest, then he's going to, he's going to use you. He needs you. God needs you to do what he called you to do every day. Just like that girl on the plane, one person at a time. I don't know who that guy was. I don't know what that guy does, but I do know this. His heart was touched. And he went away from that plane a different person than he got in it. And you may think, well, that wasn't a whole orphanage full of people and all those things. That was one guy. What's he going to do? I don't know what God has in store for that guy. But I do know this. Somebody opened up their mouth and decided that, you know what? I'll bring in the harvest right here in this plane where I'm sitting. And if we'll choose in our lives this year to make that you know, we talked about it in the beginning of the year. Do what you can with what you have. As God has blessed you and as he's given to you, then you give to, see, as God has brought to you, you pour out to whoever that particular thing, whatever that particular situation, wherever that is in your life. That's what we talked about this year. For this church, for who we are, that's kind of our word and our mantra is God has blessed us, we continue to bless others, and that as I've been given, such I shall give. And this is just a second part of it, or is this just a continuation of it? This week on Sunday, we'll begin to talk about the treasure, and the treasure's in the field. It says in Matthew in chapter 6, that this gentleman saw the treasure, and the treasure was in the field. So he went home, and he sold all that he had, and he bought the entire field. He didn't go out with a shovel and go look for the treasure. He bought the entire field. Because in the field was the treasure. And if he owned the field, then he'd have the treasure. And in our life, what we have to determine, and what we'll talk about a little bit on Sunday, is are we willing to sell all that we have to buy the whole field? Or are we just going to be treasure hunters looking for one thing here or one thing there? I am telling you, God has great things for each and every one of us. And I would encourage you, and this isn't anywhere near what I had in mind to, to talk about and to share But I will encourage you and tell you that you are the answer to some situation. Tomorrow, when you get up, <clears throat> we always look for the answer because we need the answer. But I'll tell you this. When you get up tomorrow and you begin to go out that door and you begin to run into people and you begin to sit in situations and you begin to go through your day, I'll tell you this. You are the answer to some situation. God's bringing you onto the scene. Now, it's his word, it's his wisdom, it's his, it's his abundance, it's all him. But he's bringing you on the scene 
to bring the answer to somebody for something. Now, that's a responsibility that we have to, we have to realize and understand. But I'm telling you, I, I, can't, I can't think of a more exciting thing to be than God's answer in some situation. That he's chosen to use you. He's chosen to use each one of you to sponsor a child or, or, or to be a part of what we did with putt-putt and all those kind of things. And that's awesome. That's fantastic. But I have this mentality that says we do it there and we do it here. We share it there and we share it here. We change that, we change this. That as we continue to give out all over the world, not just in the Sudan but everywhere else, we continue to give out here at home. That we're pouring out our life, not just to these little guys out there running around in that field, but we pour out our lives everywhere that we go here too. That we make a difference. That we bring in the harvest because this is going to be a year like none other and God's going to use you to make a difference in the world. That's a great place to be. Amen. Let's stand up together and let's pray. I'll just share this last scripture with you in Matthew, in chapter 16. It says in verse 24, Matthew 16. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Back in December when all this was going down with the container and we weren't sure when it was going to come, somebody said, are you going to go? And I said, I, and I, I said, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. I just knew that God said to go. And so I, I spent every day for two months looking at airplane tickets. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, there's not anything else you can do. But somebody said, yeah, what if it comes at Christmas? And I said, well, I'll spend Christmas in Sudan. And Elizabeth looked at me. <laughs> I said, I'm going. Because God said. You know, when it came down to all this, this last, this, this last moment in this, this time, I, I was really conflicted because I thought if I'll go at Christmas, you know, I'll go anytime, you know. And when it all came down with her family and all that was going on, I was really I was struggling because I, 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 want, I want to do what God asked me to do regardless of what's going on. And I was going back and forth with this idea that said, well, I can't desert my family, but i got to follow God. I can't, I, can't, I can't leave her hanging in this moment, but i, I got to do what God tells me to do. But God made a way. God opened up a door and he opened up her heart. He took care of her. And he took care of me. And that was difficult. And, you know, I, mean, I had to leave that behind. And that was, that was not easy. But I'll tell you this. you got to do what God tells you to do. 
not just in the mission field, not just getting on a plane, but opening up your mouth at Walmart, talking to the people in the grocery store. We've got to do what this scripture says. If anyone desires to come after me, and we all want to come after him, we want to follow him. It says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses it for my sake will find it. Are you willing to be a seed? Are you willing to plant your life? Are you willing to give it all up and say, okay, man, I'll I'll do it. I'll do what you asked me to do. Tonight in this place, just bow your heads. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for your word that says that you have called us and appointed us and anointed us and prepared us to be ministers of the gospel wherever we go. That, Father, we are part of bringing in your harvest. That it's not just that the harvest is raised up, Father, but it's that the sickle has to get put to the harvest. That the harvester has to go out into the field to bring it in, or else it's all going to die on the vine. Father, we, we refuse tonight to let it die on the vine. Father, those who are attached to us, those lives, Father, the harvest that you have attached to us, Father, we put it right now, Father, in your hands. We will follow you, Father. We thank you for bringing up the harvest, but you don't have to pray for this labor because I'm going. How many of you would say, I'm going, I want to be your laborer? I'll pray for the other laborers. I'll pray for the people to come alongside. But I'll go out there if I have to go, just like Esther said. If I perish, I perish, but I'm going to go. I'm going to be out there. Father, I thank you right now for a year of harvest. Father, financially in the lives of the people of this church as we continue to stretch and to give. Father, the way that you've called us to give. Father, for the harvest of souls to come into the kingdom of God. As we stretch out, Father, and we we share the gospel. And we reach out and we help the brokenhearted, Father. That we bring in those, Father, who are blind and they see again. Father, those who are deaf and they hear again. Father, those who are in sorrow and they have joy everlasting because they find you. We thank you for it, Father. the, The words to say the things to do and the places to go. That everywhere we go, Father, we have your eyes, we have your hands, we have your ears. Father, we have your feet. We thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Now maybe you're in this place and you say, man, I don't even know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I mean, I need a miracle in my life. And I just ask if you just pray for me. Is there anybody here that says, man, I need a miracle and I just need you to pray. I don't want to go and leave anybody hanging right there. Anybody else? It says, man, I just need a miracle. Come on down here, Courtney. Anybody else? You need a miracle? Come on down here. Come on down. We just want to pray for you. Anybody? I don't even need to know what it is. I just want to be able to pray for you in this place. Just stretch your hands out here. Just stretch your hands out. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Just stretch your hands out. Father, we thank you right now that you are a miracle-working God. Father, just like the boy, the, the, the man who was at the gate, Father, who looked up. When they said, look at me, they reached down and said, I don't know what, I don't have what you need, but what I have, I give you. Tonight, Father, I thank you. I don't have what they need in my hands, but you do. And tonight, we just stretch out our hands, Father, to come into agreement with each one of these. Father, that as we reach out to you and stretch out, Father, you, you meet our needs. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name, for a miracle, for a door to open, Father, that was shut. Father, we thank you, Father, for your provision, a miraculous opportunity, Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you for healing, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. 
Father, and just like that young man jumped up praising the Lord, we thank you that tonight we can receive your miracle power, your miracle work in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now I encourage you, go, be blessed, have a great week. We'll see you on Sunday. We'll be here. But open up your eyes and your ears tomorrow as you go out. And I think many times we're looking at all the things we need and and, and what we have in our life and the places where we are. But I'm telling you what, God wants to use you in a special way in somebody's life. He's going to use you to answer a question that somebody has. And He's going to use you to bring in the harvest. So go and reap. Amen. Amen. Have a great night. We love you. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.